Boom, I guess. Good. Let's start. Hayley, yep. how's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Nice to have you here. Good. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Just got back from Belgium. Yeah, I got back, um, oh, just under a week ago now. So yeah, I did my first couple of races of the year in Belgium and then uh, came back straight after the second one to get a good couple of weeks of training before I head back. How did they go? Relatively well, actually. Belgian racing is not something that comes naturally to me. It doesn't necessarily play to my strengths as a rider because, you know, as, as you know, there's big bunches, narrow roads, lots of corners, um, and accelerating isn't something that I'm naturally good at. So corners, too many corners in quick succession can, can be an issue for me. Basically like Abu Dhabi or like the, the I like UAE big wide roads or like, or, or just even like Spain, to be honest, like big, big, nice big roads that you can just like move <laughs> up the outside of and you're probably not going to have street furniture here, there and everywhere. Um, so no, so Belgian racing isn't something that I'm naturally kind of inclined towards, but, um, Hagerland on Sunday actually went pretty well. Um, I did some decent work for the team. I dropped back a couple of times to kind of help some sprinters back to back to the front groups. Um, the final time we just didn't quite make it back, but you know it was a good kind of indication of early form. Like my legs are definitely good. Uh, Let's on Tuesday. I had a couple of uh, mechanical issues and so ended up not finishing, but. You know, that's cycling, that, isn't it? Those races are like that as well. Yeah, um, my I think my di two might have gone into shock mode over one of the <laughs> sets of cobbles. The uh, the cobbles were a shock to both my di two and me. So yeah, I think <laughs> but, you and yeah. everyone else as well. Cycling. So. Yeah. What was the weather like for that one? Uh, it stayed dry for the women's race. Good. It started raining not that long after the women's race finished, and so the men. The men had some rain. Because those races are um, nuts. As soon as it rains and you've got the cobbles. Yeah, there's a couple of actually quite nasty sections of cobbles in Le Semin. Um, I was watching some race footage before the race, but from the men's race in 2019. And there was some quite bad looking crashes on on one of the sections of cobbles in particular. Uh, so I'm just glad it stayed dry for our race though actually there was still water on those cobbles from somewhere but they but they <laughs> weren't but they weren't sopping yeah yeah. yeah somebody like somebody who lives on the route was just like i want a really yeah <laughs> really exciting day today yeah yeah so season's kind of starting okay yeah yeah the, the winter training's gone okay well i i i was lucky i escaped a lot of winter um mm. i went to the southern hemisphere on the 27th of december and didn't come back until 16th of February. So I had seven weeks of shorts, no gloves, short sleeve jerseys. Um, and I was hoping that I'd come back and it would be getting warmer here, but actually we've had some pretty, pretty You've bad. You've come back into the coldest I've, I've come back into storms and and very cold weather. So that was a bit of a shock to the system, but at least I, I got a really good block of kind of warm weather training. Yeah. And it just means you've got to wear a few extra layers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's fine. Two, two pairs of overshoes, two pairs of gloves, uh, actually the best winter jacket I've ever had in my life, which I found from... Uh, found from a kit box I've, i must have had it i guess i've probably had it about six to eight months but i've never actually worn it um it's one of the gb callus ones and it's amazing it comes with its like own inbuilt kind of gilet and hood so i can i can put a hood up and it's brilliant you can wear that as a, as a like a leisure oh it's, jacket it's amazing honestly it's like I, it's I'm going to go through it too quickly, I think, because I'm literally wearing it almost every ride now and then just like wear it, wash it, wear it, wash it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, but, is this uh, a subtle 
unannounced sponsor segment. Callus is obviously um, GB sponsor, so it's just an item of kit that I just will have been out. will have had from a kit drop at some point with GB, but it's amazing. Uh, well, I'll let you off that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will probably. I'll actually check it out then. Yeah, always looking for jackets here because it sucks. The rain sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is really warm. It's really yeah, good. That's good. So, segue from bad weather and clothing yep. into Tokyo 2020, which will be definitely the opposite of the current weather. <laughs> it should be really hot. Incredibly hot. Maybe humid. Yeah. So at the moment, one of the big things with Tokyo is that although the temperatures could be mid 30s, which is obviously hot, but not crazy mm. because the humidity is so high in Tokyo, there's the possibility that the feels like temperature could be in the 50s, oh my Lord. which is obviously pretty insane. That's going to be terrible. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with something like that? Uh, so there's quite a big emphasis on heat acclimatization. Um, so doing some work to kind of prepare in terms of doing some, um, some heat sessions, either in specific heat chambers or kind of trying to manufacture it as best as possible mm. at home or going to hot countries to train as well. Yeah. And then I think there's some work being done on specific fabrics, for example, for the kit, uh, you know, looking at looking at different methods that can be used to kind yeah. of to, to cool um and outside of of work that is being done i guess by british cycling and the various other governing bodies for different sports um there are other people looking at cooling methods i know that um actually my nutritionist david Starr, i think he's doing some kind of research that is looking at some cooling methods as well um not just towards tokyo but also towards for example the football world cup in qatar so other other tournaments that are going to be in hot countries yeah that kind of makes sense doesn't it yeah Uh, you know it's something that's going to affect not just the tokyo olympics but other competitions yeah and how's the selection looking like for that so the selection period uh, in theory has only really just started because they're meant to look at results from the start of this year until I think the 1st of June is the end of the selection period. Right. So selection won't take place until June. I think it actually takes place just before the national championship. When are the Olympics scheduled for? Uh, July. So scheduled because yeah, scheduled. <laughs> we're hoping. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. So uh, yeah, end of July right. to the start of august um i can't remember the exact dates but it's the 20 something that i think well i think the road race is sometime around the 25th because it's not that long after my birthday um so it's it's kind of late july to early august could be a belated birthday present (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. definitely no birthday cake if i go to tokyo yeah yeah. (laughs) that will not help me get up uh kind of mount fuji-esque climbs but climbs yeah but um yeah so scheduled hopefully everything will be all right by then but yeah so end of july uh so the selection period ends at the beginning of june uh, i think team announcement is around the time of nationals so mm. late june um but yeah i mean it's a lot can happen between now and june there's a big selection window so at the moment for me it's all about kind of making sure the races that i'm doing are going well making sure my form is good uh and working on you know, things that I know I need to work on to make sure I'm in the best place to kind of prove that I should go. When have you got to hit like peak for that? So if, if your selection is, you know, kind of now until June, yeah, have you got to try and hit some peaks in the season for that? You know, does Tokyo 
the thought of Tokyo and the Olympics become your major goal and you want to build your entire season peak around that. Yeah, it's obviously really difficult because in order to have that peak at Tokyo, I have to be selected to go to Tokyo. So you have to have a double peak, um, which is possible. You know, I've done it previous seasons. I've had peaks that are not hugely far apart and managed it quite well. Um, So obviously, yes, I will be aiming to peak for Tokyo, but I do need to be peaking at times before that to kind of hopefully get some good race results do some good performances and actually not just not just good race results um you know for the time trial actually it's about potentially doing some other time trial performances be it in training or in local racing um and being able to submit data from those races so power data is that also really good like the the crossover if you're regularly doing time trials in order you know with an eye towards the tt the olympics you can present that data the the difficulty with within this is obviously i would also really like to win national time trial championship this year and that's the end of june and you know i can't really be peaking end of april start of may end of june and end of july there will be people definitely peaking you know domestic riders that don't have the the olympics as a goal you'll be trying to you know, compete against them. Yeah, it can be really hard to manage when you know that you're doing some races, but then other races which would be more important, you don't actually find out about until quite late (laughs) on. So you're kind of, you sometimes have to manage your season assuming that you are going to be going to those events. Mm. and, And then if you end up not going for whatever reason, you're on really good form, but I <laughs> have to find something else to do, which I guess in a way is a little bit what happened to me in 2016 because I was sort of on the radar to to go to Rio. Yeah. Um, I'd won the British National TT on, on the Thursday and then the day after found out that I hadn't been selected, which was quite Why? an emotional roller coaster from yeah. going like massive high of having won. And then the following day I went out on a kind of three-hour ride uh, just like kind of spinning my legs out a little bit um came back from the ride to find out that I hadn't been selected for for Rio um but I'd almost been prepping as though I was going Mm. and so I ended up having a really good run of form at the end of July and the start of August that year and I actually broke three time trial competition records within eight days (laughs) at around (laughs) around the time of the of the Olympics um because I was on really good form i'm pretty sure i remember <laughs> seeing this like yeah. see, seeing uh some minor controversy about I'd, well about yeah that. and i i broke the 10 record and then the next day broke the 25 record and then the following weekend broke the 50 record That's and i've crazy. since the the 10 record i have since lowered but that 25 and 50 are still the kind of standing records for those distances so why <laughs> I guess this is how long is a piece of string or like yeah. why would you not have been picked especially to, to announce that and tell you just after you'd won at the Nationals I, I think the timing is was just a bit unfortunate because I think that you know with all of these things it's Team GB not British Cycling and I you know British Cycling are tied into timings with Team GB mm. so I think the kind of timing of the team announcement was just when it was scheduled for um, and it wasn't an intentional ha huh, we'll do it the day after <laughs> the reality is that the selection was probably made before the race and it just hadn't been announced um 
And because of what the policy was back then, if you weren't selected, you weren't actually contacted individually to be told. Um, right. I think people who were selected had been contacted. Um, and, and policies, you know, have have changed since then. There's been a lot of change within British cycling in the last four years. Um, and I think athletes are now treated a lot better. Um, and to be fair, there was an apology made privately to me for the way that yeah. um, everything came out and how it was handled, which, you know, I really appreciate. So I think it was, yeah, it was just difficult. It was just yeah. the way things happened. And it sucks knowing you're in form and going away and, and putting away like three national records. Yeah. And thinking, man, this one, one of these could have been a ride at the the Olympics. Yeah, it was definitely hard, but you know, I, I was, I was happy with where my form was at that point. And, you know, at least I had some good results that, that still stand, you know, yeah. those records, two of those records still stand. And the third, I, I still have, I just bettered it later that year. So, <laughs> and, and how do you feel? I, it's impossible to say because it's so early in the year. Yeah. But knowing that now, like you've got to be looking at Tokyo 2020 with, you know, going there with a vengeance. How do you feel compared to your 2016 form? I think, so I've been working on some different things over the past couple of months. So working on like known weaknesses. Mm. Um, so hopefully I, I'm a better all-round rider than I was four years ago. Um, I've I've got some different people kind of involved in my cycling now as well. Um, you know, I'm working with a new nutritionist, David yeah. Starr, um, who's, who's kind of not just helping in terms of, day-to-day -day diet but he also really knows his stuff about you know supplementation race day performances mm. um hydration just just everything so it's not just a case of you know how many calories should i eat on a specific day or what kind of macros it's also like how much caffeine is optimal for yeah. me like you know should i take it at all if so how much um is it worth supplementing with beta alanine you know mm. things like things like that he really knows his stuff on is, so is i have been using beta alanine um not all the time but the, the the only annoyance with beta alanine is that you do have to build it up you can't just yes, take it on yeah. race day so i mean it's difficult to say whether it's, it helps or things are placebo or the idea it... is that it's a, lac a lactate buffer yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah yeah so in theory you're going to be able to to push a little bit harder for longer yeah so hill climbs time trials yeah perfect road yeah. races yeah um, but you know when i've got hill climbs and time trials yeah. thrown in then then yeah it's potentially useful to take and yeah it's difficult because with some of these things it's like well is it a placebo effect or mm. is it actually working but to be honest placebo effect is really powerful so yeah. if there's even a measurable it, benefit why not? even if it is yeah it's not it's not doing me any harm um i'm not getting side effects that are causing me any problems so so i've been taking it yeah so obviously as a cyclist it's like a odd precarious uh job situation where you're every year you're <laughs> you, you know you're on a contract yep. um yep. where that's a one two th whatever three if you're lucky yeah um they all seem to average out at like one or two years yeah i'm a big fan of the one year contract uh <laughs> I mean, I can't it, it tell if you're being no, you're no, being no. I am. It has it. It has its downsides yeah. because every year you go through the same rigmarole of you know, effectively you're out of a job at the end of the year. Yeah. You have to look for something new. But um, I think unless you're on a like 
really well-established team, it can be quite unreliable. Yeah. And I always think there's a risk of signing. They have their benefits, but I do yeah. think there are risks of signing two-year contracts because if certain things change, if sponsors change, um, you might be tied into a situation that is then going to change yeah. and that you don't necessarily want to be part of. Um depending on i guess on on the contract um you might have tied yourself into a specific salary and if you have a really really good year then you can't necessarily negotiate for more salary because you've already signed yourself into a two-year contract at a specific level you've got to go some and and have interest from other teams exactly to, to push that yeah so for me personally i've never signed a two-year contract i have stayed with a team for a period of two years, but I signed a new contract the following year. Yeah. Which I'm glad I did because the second year I got a salary increase. Yeah. So I, you know, and this year I'm on a new team. So I almost certainly wouldn't want to have signed a two-year contract for this year because, you know, I I don't know what's going to turn up. Yeah. You know, there was so many unknowns with it being a brand new team that I wouldn't have wanted to sign a two-year contract yeah. straight away uh, you know that's not to say that i wouldn't sign another one-year contract at the end of this year to stay with the team yeah um but at the point where i was negotiating um it seemed a lot safer to just sign a one-year deal yeah and in the past obviously you, you left united healthcare yeah um was that 2016 you yeah. left at the end of 2016 i left end- i left mid 2016 oh, wow. i left uh just before nationals i left in june yeah and that's i kind of ties into what you're saying about not knowing what you're going to face throughout the year yeah it it seemed like there were were problems with their um tt bike um so yeah for me personally i guess you sign a contract well it could be any time really but i signed my contract before the world championships in september of 2015 Mm -hmm. and um that year it was a bit of controversy i suppose so linda willemson was on the team in 2015 and at the world championship she rode her own time trial bike her own time trial helmet various other bits of equipment now technically because of the way uci contracts work um when you're representing your national team you're not actually tied into uh, trade team sponsor agreements however for whatever reason there was, you know, a lot of unhappiness about Linda using her own equipment. And so mm. I believe she was actually fired by the team the morning of the World Time Trial Championships, uh, which she then won and she was then rehired. Uh, but there was <laughs> backlash from the team, from team sponsors relating to this. Yeah. So when we all turned up on the team camp at the end of January, we then all had to sign an addendum to our contracts relating to the use of non-sponsor materials, which was the first time we were caught using non-sponsor correct equipment. And not just equipment, you know, it could be wearing the wrong pair of socks, for example. Mm. We had a $500 fine. Second time, a $1,000 fine. Third time, we'd be fired. Um... Now that puts you in quite a difficult situation because you've negotiated a contract and signed a contract. Yeah. And then suddenly you're being asked to sign something else, which, you know, if you if you didn't sign it, that was going to cause problems. But then if you did sign it and you had issues with with something sponsor related, you'd also going to have problems. I mean, 
sponsors are obviously crucial for a cycling team. Yeah. You can't operate without sponsors. But in my personal opinion, that the the way the team ran that year, all of the focus was on the sponsors having sponsors for pretty much everything and keeping those sponsors 100% happy rather than sometimes the athletes. Yeah. Because, for example, one problem that I really had was I found the sponsor saddles really uncomfortable. Yeah. So I had a lot of problems, particularly in the early part of the season, because I couldn't really sit on the saddle on my road bike. <laughs> Which kind of need to is, be able to do that. Is a slight, yeah, is you know quite crucial for being a cyclist. Actually, being able to sit mm. comfortably on your bike. So, and United Healthcare actually behind the scenes was run kind of pretty much by a marketing company. So everything was about sponsor relations. Yeah, okay. Um. So yeah, there were various issues, and because it was an Olympic year. And because at the time I thought if I win the national time trial, I that could be my ticket to Rio. Yeah. For me, you know, winning the national time trial that year was the most important thing in mm. in my mind. Um, and you know, this was my first professional year, and and maybe I didn't understand things as well then as I do now. But you know, the result was I decided that I would leave the team to have complete flexibility over the equipment that I rode at nationals that year. Yeah. And not just the bike, just like everything, you know, handlebars, the brakes, the the wheels, um, the helmet, just, yeah. you know. Um, they all add up and they all make a difference. Everything makes a difference. And because I knew that if I did three things that were incorrect, I was going to get fired anyway because I signed that addendum. So, <laughs> And if you've already identified three things that you're like, yeah, this could be better. Yeah, even down to, you know, what pair of overshoes I was wearing. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I made the decision kind of late May, early June to to leave the team. And, and it was done on really good terms. Mm. Like, you know, I'm still good friends with a load of the girls that I was on the team with. Um our DS that we had that year, who's really, really great. You know, I still see her at races all the time. Mm. I saw her last week. You know, we still talk. I've, I've got a good relationship with them all. Um, it's just that I I prioritize something. Um, I prioritize performance at national championships. And, and yeah. I, I won it, to be fair. <laughs> um, you know, it didn't have the result of me going to Rio like I wanted. But And I guess with the nature of cycling and short careers, you can't blame somebody for wanting to you know take the opportunity when it arises no exactly like you know there's only a certain amount of time i'm going to be able to do this for so if i haven't given myself the best chance of achieving the things that i really want to achieve then mm. i'll regret it yeah um you know if i if i look back and say oh well maybe i could have gone to the olympics if i'd just made the decision to step away from this team yeah. or if i'd if I'd spent a bit more time doing strength and conditioning or strength, you, you know, I, yeah, d I don't yeah. want to look back and, and regret the way I did things. Yes. Yeah. So that makes sense. And do you think that there is like a path, obviously you're a professional cyclist now and it sounds ridiculous to, to say this, but um, 
for people coming into the sport, like young women in particular, yeah. are things improving? Like, is there more of a, a career path for young women? Yeah, I think things are definitely improving. And there's organizations like the Cyclist Alliance um, yes, yeah. who are like really, really helping the situation for women, um, not just in terms of kind of being there as support if things go wrong. They're also, you know, there's a nutritionist that works with them. So if you don't have access to your own nutritionist or just want a bit of advice, you can contact her. They've provided things like concussion baseline testing. So, you know, you do a baseline test. Then if you crash in a race, you think you might have concussion, you can check. And it's just just small things like that that have not necessarily been there before, which kind of just improves the sport as a whole um, yeah. and improves. A, that's of, a, a good model to set for the men as well. Yeah, just improves everything for the women. And the women have never had an organization uh, really before who have kind of been there specifically to kind of help us. Mm. And there's a lot of problems in women's cycling and there's, there's more stuff that has come out over the last few weeks with UCI teams being investigated for, for various things. Um, but at least now there are people that you can go and talk to or contact. And even if they can't help, they have the knowledge to kind of direct you to the, the right organizations that you can contact. Yeah. But I mean, for people getting into the sport within the UK, there are, um, I get, you know, there are organizations like the CTT. If you want to get into time trialing, it's so easy because there are time trials just up and down the length of the yeah. country every weekend. Um, and that's how I got into the sport. You know, I got into it through through time trialing, realized that I was kind of all right at it and <laughs> and went from there. But, you know, there are now, as you step up and hopefully join professional ranks, you know, there are organizations there to kind of help and support that weren't there when I started. Yeah, yeah. Which is really good. A really good prospect for people coming into it. Yeah. The one sad thing this year is um, it looks a bit like the UK scene is suffering a little bit in terms of the road racing. Uh, The National Series was announced. Um, There's um, fewer criteriums and more like good length road races. You know, events that I like, like Tour of the Reservoir um, and Rydale, things like that, which are good for me. But obviously, you know, a lot of people like like the circuit series and yeah. actually there isn't now isn't a, circuit series. a circuit series for the women there's just yeah. one criterium um so that that's a little bit of a shame um and hopefully that will kind of pick up again mm. um but for this year obviously it's it's a little bit sad to see that some events have have not continued yeah we floated the uh half joking idea that we should give them a call and say hey we've got the saffron wooden grand prix yeah um there's a start of a crit series there if you want it yeah. And uh, I know I've been in touch with Eric Rousel before. So <laughs> he's the, the new road manager. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. So um, maybe, we'll have to, maybe we'll have to do something ourselves. Yeah, it would be great to have an event. It would yeah. be great to have an event a bit closer to home as well. Because obviously a lot, of these, uh, a lot of these events are kind of further up north. And, Way uh, up north. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cycling further up yeah. north and not so much around, around here. Because obviously the, um, there used to be a two-day women's race in Essex yeah yeah Zero, which doesn't run anymore um yeah which was kind of I guess mm. sort of my home race because it, it was on a lot of roads that I would train around but 
yeah so uh it'd be nice to have something local again yeah maybe turn the saffron and grand prix into a road race yeah before i ask you to come and do it a road race <laughs> it's a and, and please please <laughs> yeah. as long as it's open to e12 women because there are so many road races that i keep seeing being advertised on you know on various racing groups on facebook and twitter saying oh we need more women's entries and then i look at it and it's a two three four so i can't do it yeah um, and i understand that a lot of like third and fourth cat women are daunted by e1234 mm. races but it's it's difficult to increase your women's entries if you if you're up. restricting elites and first cats. Mm. So yeah, it's it's difficult, but it would be really great if there were more E12 races. <laughs> Please, <laughs> well well noted by me as an organizer. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, I could go off on a whole other tangent about too many races up north and uh, <laughs> not enough, not enough women's races and all yeah. of that so i guess if we call it there yeah this podcast episode is uh 12 hours long yes. uh, no we'll we'll try to cut it short so in which case thank you very much for joining us thank you <laughs> that's brilliant hopefully hopefully the bloody building work outside will not show up too much or work some editing magic lots of bangs i think there's something weird going on god, god <laughs> i'm gonna background. go out there and shake my fist and <sighs> have a go at those pesky kids <laughs> at least it's a reasonable hour though unless it does start at 6 a.m but hopefully not no, they're pretty good they're pretty good good but uh yeah i mean again thank you so much um we'll probably get you on if uh if it all goes to plan and we see you at the olympics yeah 100 percent. we can have a podcast number two yeah that'd be nice that'd be good and uh, in the meantime everyone can go follow you on Instagram and Twitter yeah at Hayley R Simmons both the same on Instagram and Twitter which is a godsend yeah and everyone else I guess should probably go and follow Monument Cycling Um, don't forget to subscribe to the Monument Cycling podcast Um, you're listening to it now so you might as well why not yeah (laughs) Um, you can follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook and stay up to date with all of our races content and future podcasts everyone else thank you very much for joining us we'll see you next time